0: I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Last week, Justin spoke to me about founding a fractional chief marketing officer agency and what that means for businesses and for people wanting to be fractional CMOs. Today, we continue to discuss with Justin the value and key concepts of engaging a fractional CMO and how to become unrivaled in your business. Let's jump in.
1: We chose unrivaled because that's what I want you to be. That's what I want my customers to want to to strive towards, to be the number one in the category, um, to be the best of breed. And and so that's what I that's the, the that's the mindset of the person that or the, 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 the people that come to me, my customers, our clients, um, that's what we want um from them. If that's what you that's your ambition. Then we're here to help you uh, get there and find that path. And everyone, every business is unique. Every go-to-market strategy is unique. There's no cookie cutter approach to this. As everyone has a different puzzle to, to put together, which is the interesting challenge in a marketer, right? You can't just copy paste what you do for one company into the into the next and expect it to work. Um, so, so that's why we wrote this. We wrote this book. Uh, in October last year, uh, I there was a couple of really key insights uh, that 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 kind of formed us. Um, and I'm just going to remind myself here. So, thirty percent of marketing budgets are wasted on misdirected work. So that was an IPA EFF Works Global 21 re- report. of marketing budgets are wasted. That's astonishing. If you've got a 100K marketing budget a year and 30% is getting thrown at a wall, you're missing out on a whole lot of leads and a whole lot of opportunity is just going down the Google. We've got to fix that, right? And that's because we don't have a strategy or a plan. We've got the loudest voice in the room, it might be the head of product or the CFO or the the CEO, whatever, going. Let's do this. Let's try that. Hey, what about this opportunity? Should we go to that event? Hey, have you been doing account-based marketing? Or why don't we do a social media campaign? Or why are we not advertising on Google AdWords? Um, you know. Or uh, hey, our competitor has a billboard outside my house. So I want a billboard too, right? And so there's all of these pushing and pulling of 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 agendas. Um, without any cohesive approach to understanding, is that actually going to reach our audience and uh, encourage them to buy from us? Secondly is, especially in B2B, well, in B2B, I'm all about B2B, is 95% of your market is probably not looking to buy your product or service today. They probably don't even know about you. So how do we change that? And that's about demand creation, it's about building brand. It's about building future demand and how we look at connecting with people who have no inclination or no maybe even no problem today uh, for you to solve. But when they do, we want you to be the first company that they think of because they've got that brand recognition in there. And thirdly, in the last 10 years, buyer behavior has fundamentally shifted from vendor-reliant to self service. So think of Web1, uh, well I kind of you know 10 years ago if you were uh, if you were looking for a product or service solution you had to go to the vendor's website and you were you had what was sitting on the vendor's website to help you make that decision and then you booked an appointment or met with a sales agent for that vendor and you made your decision today you've got um Capterra, g2 blog posts to infinity. you've got review sites comparison sites uh, YouTube videos of someone reviewing stuff, you've got immense amounts of content about your business that's written and produced by an external party that's completely out of your control. And it's the, the buyer has the ability to self-serve. They don't need to look deeply at your website necessarily. They don't need to talk to a sales agent until they're probably in that last fraction of decision-making time when they're actually talking to a couple of different sales agents or Comparison, and so the from a marketer's perspective, you've got to support that buyer journey much further down uh, that consideration cycle than uh, you would have um, in the past, because you know previously you would have been running some inbound and, and and your marketing, doing some ads and and the website, and then it creates a MQL or an SQL that then is then handed over to a sales um, representative who then closes the deal. Now it's much more like um, playing football or rugby where you're passing the customer between multiple different people in the organization uh, and not every pass is going to score a, a goal or, or or convert a customer into a sale. Um, but if you take one of those passes out, the ball goes out of the sideline and the customer goes somewhere else. And so we have to think about these analogies because um, they're really important from an attribution um standpoint we can talk a bit more about attribution um if you want to as well but there's these analogies which are really important and so i wrote this book it's 65 pages of practical best practice activities that every b2b marketer should know should do should be in their matrix of activities and so from a uh, a marketer's perspective it's a great thing to give to your cfo or ceo and go This is what we should be doing. This is what good looks like. If you're a CEO, it's great to buy the book and and go, okay, these are the things that we should have in our marketing mix that the marketing team should be working on and making sure that they've they've got that. Um, So it's it's super practical. It's super useful. It's not in-depth. It's just really lightweight, practical, and we've got... Oh, more than about hundred about 150 plus CMOs around the world have peer-reviewed uh the books. is one thing writing about everything you've learned and, and done and in and b2b marketing in the last 20 years it's another thing going out to the market and asking your peers to review the book and tell you whether it's rubbish or not luckily they came back and gave me some great feedback and suggestions which have been uh woven through it and and no doubt for for version two for for next year so that's a little bit of background into uh, the B2B marketing strategy workbook, which uh, has come out this year. Well, well done
0: on it. Um, it's, a, it's a really easy read uh, and what I found um, in reading through it is that um, uh, as, as much as I thought I knew about uh, marketing in contemporary terms, uh, there was some new knowledge uh, and also there was some uh, reminders to focus on the right stuff. As opposed to sometimes in business, you can just you're a you're a working project uh, in process. You're continuously um, hearing about stuff and synthesizing information. And uh, it's interesting how you used the example before about the loudest voice, because um, I I have been uh, a little bit critical of um, how marketing does operate. Um, generally, there seems to be um, a lot of uh, certified people in the industry who are really just advocating for a vendor. Um, without whether they're conscious of it or not. Once they're certified, you know, take Google, for example, if you're a Google certified or HubSpot. or HubSpot, right, then all of a sudden the whole world is problem solved using Google or HubSpot, so to speak. And and so that's kind of not, in my view, the um, ultimate goal for a, a business. I think um, uh, what you're evangelizing within Unrivaled uh, is, a, is a great thesis uh, for a business owner to adopt. And I noticed that you anticipate that there would be some people who like to do things themselves. I suppose that's why you put a, um, a nominal uh, fee on the book to say, look, buy this. If you want to be a do-it-yourselfer, get it, get as much out of it as you like, but we're here to help. And if you really want to um, activate this, um, get involved with uh, Unrivaled and we'll help you through that
1: process absolutely some marketers will be able to take the book and go great this is a good excellent framework let's you know cherry pick out the different chapters that we want to be able to do there's some you know how do we actually build an integrated marketing strategy others will be like hey this is excellent we want to do it but we need some help um and that's where we'll come and walk alongside you as you go and do it and um you know you you, you talked a bit we we're talking about um uh, you know Google AdWords or, or HubSpot and and kind of you know the tech and in my uh, in my framework systems and tech is the last chapter and and the the process that I take customers through that's the last piece of the puzzle um, because you you can't predefine that the systems and the tech has to support everything else that you uh, have decided you you want to be able to do. Um, so, you know, whatever your go-to-market strategy or your activations or your data and cons that you need to be um, delivering, I mean, if you're doing a channel partner program, the technology that you're going to use is completely differing than if you're uh, doing a um, uh, an ABM, you know, direct-to-consumer, um, direct-to-buyer program. So it's, it's it's you know, you, you've got to understand where to have and when to have those conversations and be able to pit. I mean, that's why we're agnostic, right? It doesn't matter whether it's, Salesforce, uh, HubSpot, uh, MailChimp, uh, Campaign Monitor. It, it's, it's finding the right product to solve the, to solve the problem and to deliver the right capability. Yeah,
0: and I 100% agree that's the right way to go. So um, the, the way we uh, define it these days internally is we always ask the questions, what are we doing and why, before we answer how. So that it's critical to lead with addressing the what and why um, and I think that's consistent. At least I can map that, my, uh, I guess, our mindset too when I was reading your book to the uh, approach that you would take a customer through. It's kind of trying to establish those strategic um, elements, the um, the core uh, um, value of that particular right. business. Yeah, yeah. And then sort of uh, once you have the, um, uh, the go-to uh, plan, uh, you can then look at your systems and see where there are any gaps uh, or any areas that you're underutilizing, for example. Um, that that might be a, a useful segue in a sort of you know um, sort of talking about some of these concepts. Um, what what's when you meet a customer, you know what typically what are the type of concepts that as a as a fractional CMO, um, it's kind of bread and butter for you. Like it's just innate because you've got so much experience you mean, doing it. Not only do you do it for one client, but you do it for many clients. So you've got the benefit of having a portfolio um, experience that is tried and tested and you know what's going to work generally. Um, when you meet them, what, what are some of the concepts that um, your clients just don't know anything about that you, you kind of think they should know? And it's, it's, it'd be really important to them to actually understand that
1: better. I'd say there's probably three key ones that come top of mind. One is account-based marketing. So instead of selling to um, an individual, so like we're after the head of product, they're the decision maker. uh, We're only going to speak to the head of product in our um, in companies that could use our product. With an account based we're kind of looking at who's the team making that decision, or who is in the buying committee for that that company, because it's not going to be one person. There's going to be Someone from finance and someone from technical and customer, someone from customer support. Um, there's going to might be a salesperson who it could be a whole raft of different roles within um, within a customer's business that you need to get alongside and they all need slightly different messages around what's the value that you provide? What's the benefit to them? How do we make them the hero by promoting or um, being an advocate for the solution within their business? The other one is intent um, and so understanding how do, we, how do we know or measure intent? How do we know that someone that an organization uh, or someone from an organization is interested in uh, about a product or service that we sell? So what are the types of things that they they do? How do they interact with us that show us that there's a, there's a degree of intent that give us some weighting there a uh, lead score if you like, um, to, to follow up and what are the journeys we do with that? Um, and then well you cover a lot of concepts in uh, attribution yeah First one right so attribution modeling was kind of uh touted as the holy grail of of marketing data kind of 5 8 years ago uh and and that's kind of where in a in digital marketing you can see someone downloaded an ebook and then they became a customer and so you can go we generated $10,000 from people that downloaded our ebooks. I, that's kind of the basic framework of attribution um, which is which is fine to some extent um, but actually we've now got when I mentioned earlier around um, that that buyers are now self-service, you know we've got what we now call dark social where someone listening to this podcast and hearing, uh, about about the book or about a product that I mentioned, that's not measurable. There's no way that any company can measure the attribution from anything that we say or do within this this podcast or a LinkedIn post or a tweet or something like it's um, or a chat forum like in a Slack group. Um, and so that's dark social. And so that's that's where it's very difficult to measure your demand creation. Where was the demand created for your product or service? It might be a, at an after five business function and you're having a conversation with another CEO uh, about a person or, or, or a product, right? There's no attribution modeling in there. And so that's really fundamentally shifted from being um, you know, very clear clear data points um, to being something that's quite fuzzy. And so now we're looking at kind of multifunnel um, attribution where on one hand you've got very clear data points um, uh, and on the other side, you've got, you've got dark social. And so that's where we want to ask people with an open, an open text field, you know, where did you learn about us? Um, not a drop-down menu because someone's just going to pick the first one, um, but an open text field. And, you know, the, the complications with this is someone hears about you at an event um, or they see a LinkedIn post and they go to Google and they search for you. And so then your, your attribution looks like it's come from a Google search query. And so your CMO or your CEO goes, we're getting all of this inbound traffic from Google. We should be investing more in Google. But it's not from Google. It's come from a dark source that you can't measure, which is which is social. Um, and then on the other side of that, of course, they're like, show me all the leads that you're getting from from LinkedIn um, or from your social media marketing. Um, and and often those are are actually you know coming through a, a phase two or three engagement through Google search or or direct to the the website um and so you know you cut off LinkedIn and all of a sudden you cut off that engagement um uh which is then driving a lot of your you know your other activity
0: yeah it's it really is a fascinating field because there's so much um behavior uh that is happening uh outside of your direct purview as a business owner and operator and uh, and I guess you kind of have to have the right brain for it as uh, as a marketer, uh, as a CMO, to be able to see in patterns and to be able to see in dimensions that are not necessarily frontline or, or, or the most obvious things to look for because I think what I'm getting from you is that attribution concept uh, somehow was seen as being this empirical way of substantiating a marketing budget and yet what we're seeing is that there's so much indirect influence um, and nudging and prodding that happens both in the digital realms but also in society. Somebody might actually say to a person, hey, you should check out product X. Um, and there's no way to quantify that data point. And yet that was the determining factor because of the trust that person had
1: with the it's, person it, who mentioned it. So they just pour more money into Google AdWords, which is uh you know potentially just just pouring money down a hole, right? So it's not actually understanding uh, you know, where that activity, where that intent is has derived from. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, I guess I
0: have got a couple more questions for you just before we finish up, Justin. So um but more more so in the context of sort of reimagining healthcare. Um, you know, there's health health tech startups, health tech businesses, there's health providers. Um you've kind of uh, touched on um elements of uh, sort of mindset technique um uh, not doing things willy-nilly um you know being more um intentional uh with what you're trying to do being systematic from a customer journey uh mapping standpoint um when i think about it uh, there's probably sort of what we used to call above the line and below the line and perhaps in in your language in the book that might be um, brand marketing versus performance marketing. Um, where's it going? Where's it going, mate? You know, what is the future of marketing uh, for SaaS and health tech businesses
1: look like? Uh, having those things in mind. Personalization. We're still selling to people, right? Doesn't matter whether you're B2B or B2C, it's still a human at the end of that message that you've got to connect with. Uh, build trust and confidence in, uh, demonstrate value for, with. And and so I think with all of the different, you know, technology and tools and artificial intelligence uh, that's, that's been developed, you know, it's important to to continually look at how we personalize those digital experiences so they continue to be optimized and relevant um, for that person you know email is still a hugely powerful channel right open rates are still uh you know very very high it's still a very important channel um, but all too often companies you know don't pay attention to the detail and leverage the data points that they have in their business and the technology to to use those data points to personalize that content Um and and if you can pers- just the same way as a um, you know a health practitioner wants to uh, get to know their their patient and personalize the care that they're giving them, you know the marketing should be doing exactly the same to make sure that that what's happening um, you know in 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 the practice face to face is 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 mirrored with the experience that they're getting via digital channels by um, email or or phone calls and things like that, and it's. It's not complicated. It's not doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be hard to do. It just requires um, you know a process with intent uh, and I guess the right mindset to to think about that customer experience in, in the right way. Um, and you can still do that at scale. Yeah, I'm I'm a strong believer in that as well.
0: And I think uh, I I talk a lot in in the industry about uh, thinking in a digital first way. Uh, And I always underline the word first so that people don't interpret it as digital only. Um, Or, you know, how can you do healthcare digitally? Um, Well, in some cases, you can do a lot of it. But um, my argument is that the customer is only directly within your uh, environmental controls when they're on premise. Uh, and, uh, And regardless as to whether your on premise experience is a good or bad one, that's that's the experience you control directly but you also have influence over these indirect uh, touch points that your customer is um, uh, interacting with Uh, and it's a way of actually looking at your business from the outside in and saying what's it like to be my customer what's it like to come through the typical uh, touch points whether they're in person or online Uh, that gets me from some point of Interest research, let's say, all the way through to making a buying decision to then consuming a service and then persisting with that service provision over a period of time. So it's not necessarily rocket science, but it can be daunting to try and put that into a system and actually think about it holistically. I think one of the challenges with marketing in in, uh, health tech and healthcare is that it's seen as this separate, siloed activity and not necessarily seen as the whole experience um which is why i sort of uh touched on those two words that that come through in your book which is brand marketing and performance marketing um can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that
1: yeah i mean it's to your to your first point that's, it's, it's it's a great an experience right so it's using technology throughout that customer journey whether that's how they um, sign in when they come into the practice. Um, or give feedback, there might be some digital experience. But there's a, it's looking at how we um, can use those digital touch points throughout the whole experience. So the difference between uh, brand and performance is demand generation and demand capture. And so generating demand is about brand awareness, value proposition, reason to connect. I've, we can solve the problem that you have. And then demand capture, which tends to be a, a lot of performance Performance is people that are looking. They're in the market. They want to buy. Is how do we actually capture that? And so that's your digital advertising. That's Google. That's um, gated content. Anything that's creating um, some yeah uh, 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 a measurable um, data point. Brand is and demand gen has probably got a whole lot of unmeasurable data points like your dark social. But performance marketing is all about capturing the people that are in the market to buy your products or service right now. Um, and that's 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 the difference in terms of either end of the, the funnel. Fantastic. Um, and I guess just lastly, uh, given your
0: um, positioning with uh, um, AI and, uh, and how that might be utilised, uh, there's so many ways to ask a question about AI. But um, in the context of being unrivaled, in the context of uh, brand and performance marketing, I guess, in the context of how you might activate strategies that uh, ultimately use tech-enabled uh, AI. Um, what's your take on it? Is, it is, is this something that's going to be great? Uh, is it something that is going to replace everything we've ever known? Uh, is it just another arrow in the quiver?
1: Let's uh, hear The tools are usable, Uh, the tools are amazing right now, right? Uh, It's think about it, be curious about these new emerging generation of AI tools like ChatGPT or um, anything um, in in that space, be curious to learn, experiment with it, think about how they might augment your work. How could they help you become faster, more effective, more efficient um, in your business processes? There is some business processes that can be automated through business process automation. You could be using a chatbot or natural language um, or computer vision um, to be doing a whole bunch of of different things. And this is a whole other webinar that we can uh, have, Yanni. Um, But AI tools are becoming ubiquitous. They're being interwoven into all of the technology that you use today from devices to CRM tools. Um, and how you plug and play and integrate those uh, into your business and across your workforce. Uh, it's not expensive. It's way cheaper than what it was three or four years ago. Uh, and there are lots of little things that you can be doing to make your team super productive. Yeah, I think that's um really solid advice.
0: don't don't fear it, understand it, and then see how it can actually be incorporated into your repertoire of, uh, or your system, the 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 system that you're uh, ultimately managing and improving over time. That's great. Thanks, thanks Justin. So um, really appreciate your time. Um, thanks for telling us more about Fractional Cheap Marketing Offices, uh, the life, uh, the value prop, how customers can benefit from it. Um, certainly um, producing a, a wonderful book that can help the uh, any any business owner, in fact, um, or senior leader in a business to bring together a, a, a structured and streamlined um a thesis of work to actually implement and uh, put that into your systems or alternatively reach out to you and uh, get you involved in some capacity, in a fractional capacity to assist them. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, how fractional CMO agency services uh, evolve over time, both in health tech and healthcare. Um, makes a lot of sense if you ask me. Um, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share that with myself and the audience. Thanks, Justin.
1: Hey, thanks, yadi and uh, thanks to everyone who's uh, listened to this episode. I really appreciate your time and, yeah, look forward to talking to you soon. Good on you, mate.
0: Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health TechX, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.